0: this is my journey inspired one story at a time a library of leaders was created it began as a journey to learn as time went on it began to grow all it needed was a platform and this podcast was created to listen to inspire to share i am a storyteller and this is my journey Welcome to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. I'm your host, Steve Anderson, and today's guest is Christy Garcia. Christy is a leadership coach, speaker, facilitator, and founder of the Digital Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. She has 17 years of experience in sales, recruiting, and coaching. In 2009, Christy had a life-changing fall from a 30-foot fire escape. Luckily, she walked away with no physical damage, and a huge, but a huge reality check to start living in her next chapter. After 10 years within the walls of corporate business, working as a recruiter and in sales management in the healthcare industry, Christy increasingly grew frustrated, watching talented individuals be promoted to management and then fail to reach their leadership potential. She courageously left corporate America and started her leadership coaching business, Mindful Choice. Over the last 11 years, She has worked with business owners and leaders from fast-growing and modern organizations including Airbnb, Twitter, Movement for Life, and Sunrun. Christy builds programs that help individuals and teams maximize their impact through self-awareness, ownership, communication, alignment, and accountability. One of Christy's superpowers is helping her clients manage their ego and build authentic confidence so that they can show up 100% in both business and in life. Christie's modern approach is designed to be simple. You just have to choose to be 1% better every day. This was a great interview with Christie today. I really enjoyed her. You can feel her energy and her um, excitement for what she does. Uh, She's very good at helping people become self-aware of how they come across and and, uh, language that they use. Uh, with her teams, and how important that is to use the correct language depending on who you're talking to. And she describes uh, very well uh, the three different types of egos that we have, how they interact, and how really good leaders are able to manage all three of those and use them effectively in talking with their teams. I think you'll really enjoy the interview today with Christy. She just brings some really um, simple but yet uh, very effective uh, ideas to, to leadership training and uh, it really resonated with me because it's what I believe as well is that this academy, leadership academy that she has on taking the training over a period of time and also in groups so that people can work together and then reflect on what they've learned. So let's sit back and enjoy uh, the conversation I had with Christy. So let's jump right in. Christy, welcome to the program. It's great to have you today.
1: Thank you, Steve. I'm so excited to visit with you and hopefully provide some value to your listeners.
0: Absolutely. Let's let's just start with your background and uh, you know, kind of where did you go to school and and how did you get interested in leadership training?
1: I will say, leadership training was not on my radar. Um, I went to school to be a kindergarten teacher. Oh and, wow. Um, yeah, that was kind of the ultimate goal when I was a kid. I just always wanted to be a teacher, and so I. Ended up going to Cal Poly over in San Luis Obispo and finished finished up at Fresno State um, in California. And through that time, I got hooked on traveling. I did a semester abroad and lived in London for a while. And uh, after I did all of my student training, I was getting my certificate. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I do not want to be a teacher. Oh, no, <laughs> no. This is not for me. And so, you know, I at that point, I had no idea. I was such a naive 21-year-old in the world thinking I knew everything, and at that moment, I knew nothing, and I had no idea what I was supposed to do, so I got very lucky, and I think God's plan is bigger than ours, and sometimes you just got to be open to what he throws your way, so he, um, at Christmas time, my aunt at the time showed up, and um, she was a pharmaceutical sales rep, and so she's like, oh, you know, why don't you just go talk to my recruiter? Maybe she's got some suggestions for you. And at that time, my naive self said, okay, great, thinking she's just going to hire me and give me a job, and I'm going to be this amazing career woman. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, she did hire me, and it really it taught me a lot about business, uh, which is something I was not aware of.
0: Um, so you it, were actually a, a pharmaceutical sales rep then?
1: I started my career in uh, pharmaceutical sales. I did that okay. for about a year and a half. It wasn't quite for me but I switched over to the medical cell side of it where there's a lot more education and training. And I was in the hospital setting and that I loved. I did that for about eight years through that journey. I learned a lot about myself. My boss at the time is how I got into coaching. He told me about life coaching. I lived in San Francisco and I was like, Oh, that's so hokey. This was before it was cool. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, okay, great. I'll check it out. Maybe for myself, I was into personal development. So if anything, I'll learn something. And at the time, I went through my certification, got trained in coaching. I couldn't really put a career around it at that time because, you know, the courses I went through, they were pretty fluffy, pretty emotionally. um, I use the word fluffy because that was my head back then. Um, More about the emotional uh, support of things. And at the time, that's exactly what I needed as a human, but I couldn't figure out how to put that in the business space. So I did part of my training in Toronto, and that really shifted things. You know, you get that East Coast vibe. It's a little more intense, a little more um, black and white, not quite as uh, woo-woo as the San Francisco-based facility I was going to. And I could start to see, like, wow, these life, you know, coaching concepts can really be applied to business. And I started to really ask myself, why do I want to do this? Where do I want to go with my career? And I knew that I never wanted to get into sales training um, or not training sales management. And I didn't really know why, but as I started to go through this process, I realized the reason why was, you know, you watch all these sales reps get praised for being incredible sales and individual contributors. And then all of a sudden they get promoted and they just kind of fail for the first two or three years. They they're not taught how to shift from the I mindset to the we mindset, Um, You know, they are told their whole career that they're doing a great job and do it their way and get to the finish line first. And now all of a sudden, they are running a team and it's no longer about their way and they have to learn to get everybody to the finish line. And so I started to dig into that a little more and really get curious, what is that about? And I, it piqued my interest about the egos. And so I started to build programs around ego management, you know, learning what are those unconscious habits, mindsets, and behaviors that really hold us back from leading, from getting people into um, a place where they're authentically confident, not trying to prove their worth or value, not trying to justify, you know, why they're doing what they're doing, but truly understanding, like, this is my good, bad, and ugly, and I know how to be confident in where I'm at and support people through that um, in a leadership role. And through that journey, I had my own fall and started to recognize my own ego and how it was showing up in my life and my career.
0: It's it's, and, a, uh, it's just so amazing when you uh, think about, you know, your story about going from the sales rep and then how many fail when they get put that in position. I heard recently somebody say that, you know, leadership is the one common across every kind of business and, and every kind of job there can be yet mm-hmm. it's the least taught thing in our formal education. So I just think that is really interesting.
1: It is interesting. Well, and you could even take it into our life, right? Leadership is part of everything, whether it's parenting, whether it's having an intimate relationship. Like if you're not a leader of your own life, of your own story, of your own role, your insecurities, your ego is going to get in the way. And you know, I think when we can look at it as just a whole part of humanity and I, I use the term ego, and a lot of people get a little defensive by that word, but I use it very neutral. It is all about humanity. We all have one to two dominant egos, and it's really just the unconscious habits, mindsets, and beliefs that filter our actions and our behaviors 95% of the time. So if we're unconsciously you know, going through the motions, we're not necessarily being intentional. We're not aware of our impact, and we're just hoping for the best, which is majority of us most of the time.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's dig into that a lot more, but before we get there, um, you, you then decided to, uh, start, uh, your own company, uh, called mindful choice, correct?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: Okay. And, uh, what, tell us when that started and, uh, I'm interested in, uh, why you went on your own and, and, uh, how you chose the name.
1: Yeah. Good questions. I love all that. Um, so I started my business in 2010, kind of started out more just a casual hobby job. And in 20, I guess, 11, I had a fall, again, a 30-foot fall that kind of made me readjust my life, and it really shined light on my ego and how it was showing up. Um, I had talked about starting my business for... Well, before you get into that,
0: I I, got to hear more about that fall, Uh, being a physical (laughs) therapist. So what in the world actually happened, and how did you survive that? That's a lot of people don't.
1: Yeah, let's just say I am very, very, very lucky. I knew there was something bigger in life for me that I was not done. And that was just my big eye opening wake up call. Um, So it was one morning, it was Friday morning in November, and I was taking my dog out for a walk before I went to work. Casual day, it was raining in San Francisco. And my building, unfortunately, locks Automatically, and it had done this forever, so I knew about this. But unfortunately, this morning I was in a hurry, so I didn't have my spare key and it locked behind me, and I wasn't able to get into my apartment. Well, usually, what happens is when you uh, do this, we would go to the top uh, roof and uh, crawl down the fire escape into our kitchen windows. Oh, okay, very <laughs> really dumb. Yeah, so already bad idea, but we've done it a million times this day was raining. And so I went to my neighbors, I had my dog. She, I asked if I could, you know, leave my dog there. And I had just put some glass decorations in my window. So I asked her if she could hold these while I, you know, crawled through my window. And she said, yes, of course. The only thing is, can we go through my bedroom instead of the roof? That way we don't get as wet. Sure. Well, as we're walking out onto her platform, so there's like this Platform of the fire escape, there's a two by two manhole, and we're kind of joking and then laughing about the dog. You know, hopefully, he doesn't follow us out here. And as I'm talking to her, I step into this manhole, and I just have this moment of um, thank god I had been doing the work because I I am a controller at heart, and typically, I would probably have flailed and tried to survive that moment where. My brain just went to this place of if I fight this, I will probably die. So um, it felt like a wily e. coyote moment. Oh my easy. gosh! But you know, you you always watched him fall into that hole, and you just hear him go. ah, <laughs> 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 That noise went through my head, and it was like, okay, I can just breathe and take a moment, or I can um, fight this. And somehow, it knocked myself out on the second floor, and it flipped me back over. So I almost landed like a cat, and my and I put all the all the impact went on my, um, my knees and my wrists instead of my internal organs. So I, I was okay. Somehow I miraculously did not have a broken bone, um, had five stitches to walk away with.
0: Wow. But
1: in that moment, the craziest part was when I, when I woke up, I came to you and that controller brain and it's so powerful. I say controller cause that's one of the ego types, but my controller ego was so in overdrive that when the ambulance got there, I, you know, worked in all these hospitals. And they told me exactly where I wanted to go and how to do it. And said, Nope, absolutely not. You are, you know, level one trauma. We can only take you to this hospital. It was like 30 minute drive in the ambulance. So I was super annoyed. Get there. And I just couldn't get out of there fast enough. Luckily, I was actually okay. But in that moment, when I left there, I I couldn't fully take care of myself for about a week. And when I had talked to my coach two weeks later, she asked how I was doing. My children, like, oh, by the way, I had this crazy fall. Life is crazy, but I'm doing better. I'm finally able to, you know, be on my own again. And she just stopped in amazement, right? Because that's a crazy wild accident. But I had not processed it yet. And uh, she asked, how was I doing? I was like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm really annoyed that, you know, everybody keeps on talking about it, but I'm good. And so then she stopped and said, how are you doing? And again, super annoyed this time, like, I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. All good. And she asked one more time, Christy, how are you doing? And I call it my most expensive cry of my life. I just lost it. I lost it because I didn't even know what I was crying about. I cried for about 15 minutes, that ugly, sobbing cry. Oh, no. And I realized the power of the crazy brain. Um, I wasn't okay. You know, I was okay physically, but emotionally... I wasn't okay because I knew that I wasn't fulfilled and I didn't ever think that was a possibility. I was the girl that was happy. I was living the dream. I had all this, you know, amazing stuff going on. I had a great job. I was traveling the world. I had amazing friends. And so when I had to stop and I felt lonely, I have never felt that feeling before because I never had to stop long enough to feel it. And that's when my journey began. Um, That's when I really started to, Identify what it is I wanted and how to reestablish myself, become emotionally available, become, um, you know, the person that I always said I was, but I wasn't aware enough to be. And that that's what uh, led to mindful choice. You know, um, the language mindful choice was chosen. Because we all have a choice in life, you know, we can choose unconsciously to show up and let our ego run our show, or we can mindfully choose our next action, thought and behavior. And that was the ultimate goal. It wasn't to shame anybody. It wasn't to, you know, be this woo woo, you know, mass project. It really is just to be the most simple, most realistic, most applicable way to be the leader of your life, be a better leader in your organization, maximize your business through just mindfully choosing your next action, thought and behavior. Yeah. And that's, great. that's been my goal since then. Yeah, so in 2012 I uh, left Corporate America, uh, bought my house. I left for a 2000 or $2500 gig at Oakley. <laughs> One of those wild stories where you leave a $200,000, you know, paycheck, give your car back, your, your Computer back and get twenty five hundred bucks one time gig. uh, uh, So uh, uh, uh. that's how my journey started. Luckily, it has led to an amazing, uh, successful business. But yeah, yeah. and you've
0: worked with some big players, Airbnb, and um, and uh, multiple other uh, companies that we would know. Uh, So that that's great.
1: Yes, I have been blessed with the companies. I've been honored to work with. Um, I definitely think that you know my own. Ego has been humbled by the people that have worked with me, have chosen to work with me, um, share their stories and allow me into their businesses, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, So what Mindful Choice does, we run a leadership academy uh, and do executive coaching from the top down to really help identify the egos in organizations and how to maximize them effectively and quickly to really get these fast-growing organizations up and running in the chaos, get people aligned, get communication, you know, productively moving everybody forward, getting everybody engaged and really, um, using self-awareness and ownership as the two pillars to make all that happen.
0: Well, let's talk about the three egos then that, uh, you know, as you stated, run your life and your business. So, uh, uh, uh identify them for us and tell us what, what they are and what they mean and how they interact.
1: Yeah. So, um, Technically, we all have one to two dominant egos. Um, ideally, we want to use all three to be our best self. Uh, the three egos are the complier, the protector, and the controller. And the complier ego is the people side of us. It is the one that empathizes. It cares for people. It um, puts people first. A lot of team building and um, you know interpersonal skills come from the complier. Unfortunately, when the complier is overused, it can put others' people's needs first. It struggles to delegate because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or they don't want to face any conflict. Um, it struggles to hold people accountable or, you know, have the difficult conversations. It avoids conflict at all the cost. It tends to be where we go passive. We don't always speak our truth because it's uncomfortable or we don't, you know, want an emotional re- reaction from others. So we avoid it and we're just So that's typically where the complier gets held back. And then you've got the protector. The protector is the um, part of all of us that houses our truth and our authentic confidence. It's where we um, are able to identify our values and really stand by them. We are loyal and we are committed to others. We do what's right, we're fair, um, and we think clearly for all parties involved, big picture thinkers, visionary, like all that strategic thinking and um, ability to see like really the world for what it is through all of its truth, loves facts, loves numbers, loves stats um, to support what's right. Unfortunately, with that comes a lot of black and white thinking. So it can be very stubborn, it can be aggressive, it can be very passive um, and come across as arrogant or narcissistic. It can um, be intense and task first to a fault where the people are who we care about the most, but the task is what is safe. There's no emotion in tasks. And so um, we typically have a lot of boundaries, a lot of Fort Knox, um, and people are arm distance away. We categorize our life. And so everybody only knows a certain part of us. Unfortunately, the protector gets a pretty bad rap because it is very intense, which obviously that's where it holds itself back. Um, with the controller, the controller is the uh, player who is motivated by being the best and being um, and winning. And so they are driven, they're motivated, they're uh, inspiring. They typically have a really contagious energy that's like, yeah, yeah, let's move. A lot of that cheerleader energy comes from the controller. It is a quick thinker, fast mover, climbs corporate ladders. Most leaders have some level of controller in them because it is very important to you know uh, be success driven um, in order to be a leader. Yeah, very interesting. Now, unfortunately, where the yeah, Yeah. where the downside of the controller is because we are so uh, results focused, we forget about the people. So we put tasks first, people second meaning um, we might micromanage to get things done our way. We might over-control when we're feeling out of control. Our perfectionist is very, um, very intense. And so things have to be done a certain way or we never meet our expectations. And we set unrealistic expectations for ourselves and others. So that's where the downside of that can come across. Very intense, very direct, very, um, you know, lack of emotion because it's really, nothing's personal, it's all tasks.
0: So in your opinion, is the, uh, the, the better leader or maybe the uh, very accomplished leader is someone who uses one of their strength egos uh, to the maximum, or is it somebody who really can go in and out of all three depending on the situation?
1: Absolutely. It's a balance of all three. You know, I always uh, say that our egos are not our enemy our ego overused will sabotage our good intentions and so really where if we can use all three egos then we've got the the you know then we can care and empathize with others we can take care of the people we can do what's right we we don't just take care of ourselves but we see the bigger picture and we do the long term thing that's fair for everybody and then we can also get to the finish line fast and and with everybody there And so, you know, that's, that's a well-rounded leader using all three egos. I say the sweet spot's about 33%. When you can use 33% of these egos, you're really using them in a conscious and intentional way. When our unconscious thinking happens, which is typically what happens with the egos, we overuse it and we start to go into the eye. So when we use it at that 33%, we're typically looking at it from a we perspective. We all need to be liked. We all need to be right. We all need to get to the finish line
0: so when oops, go
1: sorry. ahead no keep going um so i would say when it's overused it typically falls into the eye um we go into protective mode i need to be liked so i need to do something safe i need to make sure you know i don't rock the boat or i keep the peace or i uh you know do whatever to go along to get along um for the protector it could be where i have to i have to justify my value and worse right now so i'm going to stand my value i'm going to force my truth. I'm going to tell people what's right, even if it's attached to something that's not. Um, and then the controller is, you know, I have to be the best and I have to win. So get out of my way or this freight trade is going to run you over. So that's where it can be overused. So it's not about using one or the other. It's really about understanding what are your dominant tendencies as a leader? Um, which ego type do you fall into? Who triggers you? Because certain people trigger different egos within us. And then being able to say, okay, in this moment, I need to pull more from my complier or more from my controller in order to balance out this belief system that's motivating me to make this decision or this action.
0: So what what clues can we look for then to, to that, that come out that, that to, you know, drive us into these egos or how they show up in the actions that we do?
1: Yeah, great question. You know, it shows up differently for everybody. Um, the goal is to deepen the deep levels of self-awareness so that you can start to recognize it in real time. Um, you know, if you have a group of people in a meeting, it could be where, um, if the presenter is a controller, they might be on their soapbox telling people, you know, going on and on and on and rambling about what, what needs to be done or how it needs to be done and giving so much direction and so much information. They're not giving any space for the room to speak up. Um, or they say, does anybody have questions? But they don't pause long enough for the complier who takes a little more time and a little more confidence to speak up in those brooms to actually share. Um, so they're not stroking the, the complier ego to say, hey, you know, Joni, who's maybe typically quiet, Joni, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this. Now, giving people permission in those areas, knowing if they, which egos are at your table. If you have a protector ego, they might be back there grumbling, say, well, this isn't gonna work. I don't really like this idea that's them processing in that black and white brain, it's either right or it's wrong. And so being able to get curious instead of getting triggered by that, um, that question, like looking at, not looking at it as confrontational, but looking at it as, oh, we've got some, you know, a kickback, but let's look at it as from a place of curiosity versus a place where we can't really work with that because that's just, you know, negative talk.
0: Yeah. You know, everyone hates conflict conversations. That's for sure. So, You know, how can we communicate more effectively with uh, what we might consider a difficult person?
1: So what I love to do is once we identify, you know, the different ego types, people, one, first and foremost, you can't change others. You can only change your own approach, which change has others show up. And I think when you can really understand what that concept means and understand your own ego enough, you'll understand how you're triggered by someone else's ego. And so with that being said, you know, if someone was to kick back on an idea, instead of lashing out at that person who says, well, I don't really think that's going to work, right? Most of us would be like, well, thanks for your feedback. That's not helpful. Uh, Um, Instead, you know, that's an ego response from another ego's response, right? So in that moment, just being able to get curious and say, well, um, break that down for me what are your true concerns around this situation or what are your thoughts right and so you you use a, a level of curiosity and questioning versus judgment um, and shutdown and that's typically what happens in everyday communication whether we're at home or whether we're at work someone triggers us we either shut down or we lash out and so being able to consciously choose your, your next thought or action in that moment is really the power of ego management not just for yourself but the entire room if one person can manage in their ego it's much easier to manage the egos in the room because someone has now taken ownership um, another thing that you could do in those moments when you feel triggered or you triggered somebody else let's say someone emotionally responds to something you've done um, I'm trying to give an example let's see uh, an employee turns in a, a project it does not meet your expectations and instead of asking them you know what went wrong you say oh, this doesn't this is wrong go redo it or well, this really isn't what I thought is going to be, so I'll just take care of it. And so, either way, there's a passive or an aggressive response to that employee, and being able to sit back and actually go, "Hey, can you walk me through this process? How did you get this number? What, you know, what was your thinking process?" And let someone tell you. Now you're going to build trust. You're going to learn their thoughts, and maybe they just missed step C instead of. You know, doing the, the steps A, B, C, D, and E, F, G, you can now say, oh, you missed C. And that's why, you know, this is the outcome that happened. If you put C in here, this is why you'd get a better result. And so, again, using language is just more thorough, it's more specific, but it takes time because you have to emotionally recognize your own triggers. Most of us say, I don't have time to train. I'm too busy. I've told them a million times. And we go into this place of martyr instead of just going in this place of teaching and curious.
0: Yeah, you use the word and and I, I believe it wholeheartedly that, you know, language is everything, you know, how you, depending on who you're talking to and what, what ego you're talking to or what personality type you're talking to, however you define it, you know, using language that connects with that personality type or that ego, you know, is key because if you use the wrong mm-hmm. language, they just shut down.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you're thinking about the different egos, the controller um, is motivated by winning. The protector is controlled by facts and and truth, and the um, complier is controlled by or motivated by being liked and the people. So if you can always make sure that your conversations include, you know, why does it matter to the people? Why does it matter, um, you know, what are the facts that support it? And how do we get to the finish line first? If you use those three things, people will always hear it. And I think when you miss one of those things out, you're going to trigger one of the one of the egos in the room. Now, not saying there's ever a perfect conversation and you know, you're going to always be able to neutralize egos. That's not how humans work. We are always triggered by something. And so being able to just recognize when there is kickback, it's not personal. Someone has questions. Someone has concerns. There's a fear in the room. There's an insecurity in there. There's something in here driving this emotion and we have to isolate it and get it out and call out the elephant before it gets bigger. Most of the time, if there's an emotional response to anything, we either create more emotion and drama around it, or we ignore it altogether and act like it didn't happen.
0: Yeah, you said and that. You said that really well. Can you say it one more time? The the three uh, one liners that you said for each of the three egos. I, I love that. I want to emphasize that.
1: Yep. Yeah, so the compliers they speak through people. Why does it matter to the people? Uh, protectors speak through facts and logic basically so what are the facts what's the you know what's the truth of the matter and how do you make this fair for everybody um and then what is uh the controller is how do we get to the finish line first how do we win
0: yeah yeah that's great thanks thanks for sharing that again
1: hmm
0: you know, I, I believe you worked with uh, Movement for Life, which, um, you know, I know Kelly Sanders and Jim Glenn Jr. very well, and, and some of the uh, awesome. listeners on this uh, program are familiar with those names. So, you know, Kelly is a fantastic leader in our physical therapy world, and, and she, she's just a really great business leader, in my opinion, too. I'm just curious. Yes, what, what I
1: love her. Yeah. <laughs> what things
0: did did you do for her and her team? And I don't mean to give any, you know, trade secrets away, but I'm just interested, and I think... People who you know consider coaching and, and and getting some some help in their leadership teams. So, like, what what did you do with or for Kelly that that was effective? And and uh, I think people would be interested to hear that.
1: Um, that organization is incredible. You know, they're they're local to where I live, so I uh, met Kelly and Annie Henry, the uh, HR director, several years ago now. And at first, they just went through kind of a crash course leadership Academy that I threw for some of the leaders in the area. And through that, uh, crash course, they decided they wanted to put their entire director, um, group through it. So we had about 25, 25, 28 directors around the country go through this program. And it was really, really great. One, um, we did some live sessions and then there was some virtual sessions as well to make sure that everybody can be on, um, in in the space and what they did is it's a six month program that allows everybody to get executive coaching, but also do this group dynamic that allows workshop stuff to around the ego management. You know, talking about delegation, how to balance their leadership, how to um, elevate their team members. Really, so you know, there's so much responsibility on directors within these physical therapy organizations. You guys work so hard, and staffing is tough, and everything is just there's just so much pressure. And so being able to really give them the tools and the mindset to get the help they needed, get the support they needed, but also shift out of that mindset where the ego is driving them. Either one, it's, you know, the compliers aren't uh, being able to hold their team members accountable, so they're working um, their booties off and not getting the, the accountability and the, the success they need from their team members. Or they are, you know, over controlling and they weren't getting the emotional support and stability they needed within their organization. So it was a really great balance. What I loved the most about how they set up the academy, because it was a virtual thing and a lot of uh, the group was new, they they had started to really expand. So everybody got to meet each other. And through that, you just start to normalize a group of people. You know, you've got your senior directors who kind of get stuck in one way. You've got your new directors who are maybe stuck on new technology in a new way. And being able to you know, get everybody into one room and start talking about how that all impacts their relationships, their beliefs around the dynamics of the team, um, their interactions with each other and other members within the organization. It really is an empowering way to quickly realign and re-engage members who are getting burnt out or just aren't engaged with each other. You know, everybody's kind of on their own Island. So it brings everybody back to the same playing field.
0: Yeah. You, I just, uh, you're talking my language. I, I so heartedly believe in all, you know, that, that obviously the leadership training, but the Academy style where you're doing it uh, multiple times over multiple months and, you know, yes. work, working in groups and things like that. That's just, uh, that, that's awesome. And I it, 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 jumps in my mind too that you know you look at uh, so I would just say that uh, movement for life is, is one of the gold standard companies in our physical therapy world yet they still invest in that leadership training and and uh, and take it to even a higher level so I'm always impressed right. that that companies that are doing pretty darn well um, you know uh, still see that they need to get to the next level and, and keep on developing that
1: absolutely you know that was one of the things that i was so impressed with kelly and annie's mindset around the training we we put i think 3 or 4 cohorts through the academy over a few years span and it really spoke volumes of their leadership you know and their belief around the people it's a big organization and they're growing like crazy and it's easy to fall into the you know the tasks the goals the the expectations and get stuck in the chaos, especially you know during um, the pandemic and all that stuff that really impacted your guys's business tremendously. They continued to invest in the people, and I think that that is the most important thing. You know, the busier your company is, the faster your company is growing, the more stuff that is going on, the more the ego is present. So the ego feeds off of stress, chaos, change, growth, things we can't control. And so the more you can provide tools um, through like the leadership academy or executive coaching or some form of platform to give people that ability to recognize, you know, what is that unconscious behavior, habit, and belief that's happening in these moments of stress, in these moments of pressure to then be able to maximize their leadership and change their impact so that everybody is a little less stressed more you know, confident in what they're doing. They're able to communicate effectively through these times of change. They're able to continue to train and do the things that are important instead of just focusing on numbers because numbers are great. But if you have unhealthy people and you're not taking care of the people side of your business, those numbers will never meet your expectations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And how can, how can we buy back more time and have less stress and be more productive? I mean, that seems to be what everyone is, is the goal, you know, is, is kind of what, what's on everybody's mind. So how do we get there? I mean, I think you did just describe, uh, you know, like a leadership academy or executive coaching is helpful. Are there other things that, that people can do when, when they're trying to deal with these uh, pressures?
1: I think the biggest thing is being conscious. Um, you know, you've got to stay present unfortunately 95% of the time we're unconsciously going through the motions and the busier we are the crazier our lives get um the more social media that we you know interact with the less time we have it's really the mindset of wasted energy and that goes back to the ego the ego loves to be busy it thinks that's important it makes you feel valuable when i'm busy when i'm overcommitted, when i have all this stuff going on it makes us feel important like we, we we're somebody um unfortunately that's a really unhealthy habit to get into and it's not you know i would say busy is really the the new um incompetence like you cannot just be busy because busy is not productive busy isn't successful busy isn't doing the things you should be doing it's just busy and most of the time when we're just busy we're not focused we don't have a lot of clarity we're probably wasting our time and doing fire drills all day with certain things that don't matter And so really starting to control your mind and get clear on what is it that you're actually doing? Where are you wasting your time? What are you actually doing in your day? I've had clients, when they start to track their time and manage their ego, they have been able to buy back anywhere from four to 10, 12, 15 hours a week. It's incredible how much time you can waste by just being busy or unconsciously checking emails, unconsciously answering phones, unconsciously, you know, getting disrupted by people walking in your office. When you can track all that, you can actually proactively start to put things in place that allows you to use your time more wisely. Uh, I had one client, she had an employee that came into her office about uh, six or seven times an hour. They would only talk for, you know, four to five minutes um, every time. But when you started to add that up, she was able to get like six hours back a week. Uh, by just putting in of an in, first part of their day, they have a 20 minute check in at the beginning of their morning, and then after lunch, they have another 20 minute check in. And so now, this employee just takes a list of things that she wants to talk about instead of coming in every time it pops in her head.
0: You know, uh, uh, you said that really well because I, I think that you know a lot of it's almost like a code of success or something to say I'm busy or we're really busy. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. how how many leaders, if you ask them, how are things going? They say, oh, you know, going pretty good. We're kind of kicking back now, right now, you know, or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's almost like you're afraid to say you're not busy.
1: Right. Or just say, you know, things are really great. And these are the 17 things we're working on. Like being more specific and consciously answering that question versus like, oh, we're just, we're good, but things are really busy. Yeah. You know, life's crazy. Everything's so crazy. Um, And that's usually how we answer because we don't, Consciously get into what's going on. You know, I think a lot of times people either over communicate and they share and dump everything going on, and it's like, well, we really didn't want to know that. Um, Or they share nothing, you know. And so being able to teach ourselves how to just share effectively when we're having conversations with people that don't just try to justify our worth and value. Oh, we're busy. Life is good. Got more work than we can, you know, know what to do with.
0: Yes, for sure. You, you know, when you look at all the different clients you've worked with and, and, the, and the leaders in those businesses, can you come up with kind of a common challenge that leaders you work with uh, need help kind of getting better at? Is, is it is it all related to what we've been talking to, or is there a different way to describe it?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, the most common things I hear, there's not enough time. Um, I just wish I was doing a better job, you know. So that lack of confidence—I um, wish I can get my team all aligned and on the same page.
0: Yeah. And and when does, and a, lead, think, when does a leader know um, that that uh, you know they've made an improvement in that? How how does it how does it look and how does it feel to them? when they say, gosh, you know, not, we're, we're doing a better job in that in that area?
1: You know, there's a different conversation that starts coming into our uh, coaching calls or into our workshops about six to eight weeks into the program um, or into our relationship as a, if we're doing executive coaching. And I love it because you can see the shift. There's just a calm. There's still just as many tasks. There's still just as many things going on but it really has shifted the mindset when you can start to really recognize the ego and where you sabotage your daily activities, whether it's stressing out about something that you can't control, whether it's trying to, you know, um, micromanage your team or taking more on than you need to, to justify again, this is, I'm important. So I have to, I'm the only one that can do this. Um, And being able to recognize where you're just wasting so much time and energy and effort and then being able to buy back all that time or at least shift that mindset around it, there's freedom there. And that's really where I always tell people, your ego doesn't go away. You just have freedom to dance with it. It's no longer bad in your life. It's no longer something you feel guilty about or you're judging yourself for or you're you know questioning whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. You now generally have authentic confidence in your good, bad, and ugly. And you're able to just find peace in the chaos. You recognize what's a fire drill. You recognize what is something that's not effective, you know, when you're not focused on the real priorities and just doing something because you had it on your really, really long to-do list. So there, there's just a new energy that shows up. And, you know, some of the times I'll get a text message, actually, I just recently got one a couple of days ago that said, you know, I just feel like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not stressed anymore. I'm excited to go to work. Yeah. Like, that response is gold yeah, when you're talking absolutely. about leaders, right? Absolutely. Um yeah. Or I got one the other day from a, an employee or a, a client uh, that just said, you know, I no longer worry that things are going to go wrong because I know if they do, we're capable of fixing them. Like, yeah. you talk about peace in the chaos, right? Like, that right. is just... So, again, this work is hard because it's not about just, um, you know, giving you leadership skills. It's about shifting the entire energy of your world. You know, the other thing that really uh, hits home when someone says, hey, I had a really tough conversation on the first day that it bothered me, and it went so much better than I thought it was going to go. You know, those are the little things that ego management does. They're not these massive, massive, you know, Tasks or things that you do it's just consciously intentionally showing up in the daily daily things that allow you to shift your world allow you to shift your impact which then again you can't you can't change others but you can change your own approach which changes how other people show up so everybody around you starts to just show up differently
0: and i think you know having realistic expectations is good too i mean we all want to find this world where things are perfect or they're easy and whatever. And um, one of my favorite uh, business leadership books is called uh, Say Yes to the Mess. Because it's it's okay. chaos. It's, 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 it's just yeah. always going to be there. So it's how you manage it and how you do it. You can't try and get to this pinnacle where everything's easy and everything's in place. Um, you know, yeah. it just rarely happens. So you have to have realistic expectations on that.
1: Absolutely. And enjoying the journey. I always tell people, I have a client that anytime something gets hard, they call and they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, stuff just hit the fan, things are terrible, life is awful. I don't even know why I do this job. And that that's their ego's story. That's their ego's language. And you know, we finally have gotten to a place where that now has become the journey, right? We can enjoy the journey. The journey is the mess. The journey is the craziness. The journey is the learning and the lessons. If there's no journey, there's no life. There's no fun. There's no growth. Um, and so I always tell people, if you're just trying to get to the finish line, if you're just trying to complete a task, like you're just doing, you're just doing life. You're not learning anything. You're not enjoying it. You're just checking boxes. That's not fun. That's not engagement. And that's not purpose or anything that's going to allow you to really feel fulfilled at the end of the day. That is an ego's tactic that makes us, you know, go through the motions. It were disengaged, we're burnt out, we're not fulfilled, and we're just wondering what's next. And so we're always chasing a ghost where when we could stop and just enjoy, enjoy the chaos, we don't have to like it, but you can at least find the purpose of the chaos because every problem we've ever had in our life has led us to something better if you've been willing to learn the lesson. And I think that's the real power of shifting mindset around chaos enjoy the process of it, find the learnings, find the lessons, and move on to the next big, you know, chaotic thing, um, and enjoy the quiet times in between, because there is quiet, and there is good.
0: You know, I, another extreme example, I, uh, in a previous interview, I interviewed a Navy SEAL, and uh, this person now trains Navy SEALs, and during that that week or whatever it is where they just really try and weed people out by making them do these crazy things. They, he said that you can always tell when a guy is going to make it, when he makes that mental leap of not worrying about his his own individual suffering and he worries about others. And he says when he yes. makes that leap or she makes that leap and says, okay, I, I need to help this guy because he's struggling and he's hurting. And if you you know get to the we Versus me, mm-hmm. those are the ones who make it. I thought that was really interesting.
1: That's awesome. I love that so much. I mean, that was one of the biggest motivators. Is bringing humans back to business. That was my motivator for business um, and starting Mindful Choice because it is. It's real. You know, one of the first um, one of the first clients I had. They were talking to me. <clears throat> I actually worked with uh, the management team and then uh, several of their lower level um, leaders or the executive team, and then their lower-level leaders. And through this process, you know, I get to hear the full circle, right? I get to hear the story at the top and the perspectives from that view, and then I also get to hear the the lower-level perspectives. And it's really eye-opening. So there was this individual, this manager within this organization. I had heard about him already through the executive team. They were ready to put him on promotion. You know, they thought he was, you know – Falling into alcoholism or something where he wasn't showing up for work. He was late. He was always exhausted. There was, you know, making all these errors, whatever. They had all these reasons. Totally justified in logic. Um, so then I'm talking to this manager. And in our conversation, he breaks down and he tells me that his daughter has been in the NICU for the last six months since she was born. Um, she was at a hospital that was four hours away, hour th- uh, two and a half hours away. And so every day after work, he was driving up there to spend at least two or three hours with his wife and his new baby. And then he would drive home. So he's only getting about two hours of sleep a night. Poor man is exhausted. And no one knew this. No one he worked with knew this because he didn't want anybody to judge him and feel sorry for him. That's what the egos do. They isolate us and they make people think that no one understands their problems. So luckily I was coaching this individual and I was able to share this, like help him recognize the value of sharing this with his leadership team within 20 minutes of him sharing the story they had given him six weeks off they paid for a hotel for him and his family like I mean it was just this life-changing moment for this man's world that if he'd done this six months ago things could have been totally different
0: yeah such a powerful story Um, and we just you know I think the pandemic also showed us how uh how destructive isolation is you know, mm-hmm. if you're just isolated or feel isolated, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's, horrible.
1: It is, it is horrible. And, you know, unfortunately that ego brain likes to suffer. It likes to make us miserable. It likes to isolate us and keep us lonely um, because that's when it can, you know, have all the excuses of why we're not happy and why we're not successful and all the things. And if we let that mindset take over we really do push so many people away and we make so many excuses of why we can't do the thing we want to do or have the position we want to have. Or, you know, we start to blame our boss for why we're not successful. or We blame our employees, why things aren't working. Um, or we blame our spouse for why we're miserable. And really at the end of the day, that's just the ego's tactic to sabotage healthy communication, healthy partnerships and our authentic confidence to just be us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm curious, uh, how do you find clients in your business?
1: Um, I have been very blessed to have most of my clients through word of mouth, Um, you know, a lot of referrals and then cold calling. I I hear about somebody in the, um, you know, news and media that I would like to work with. Obviously, I reach out. I think in today's world, I am shifting. I actually have been talking to um, some marketing folks over the last few weeks trying to figure out, you know, this new this new online world of marketing. So I I am slowly but surely getting into more of a a modern approach to uh, client retention or um, potential clients and uh, lead generations. But uh, luckily, my business has been successful enough that my clients refer me out and I can um, sustain things through that that approach. And and how
0: long, you know, I know it varies greatly, but I'm just, you know, again, I'm just curious about How long do you think clients stick with you? I mean, um, do they come in and you, you you train them and you get them going and then and then you release them, or do they they keep you on for long periods of time? What, what, what what's your typical?
1: That's a great question. You know, it varies. I've had clients where they'll come in and they say, you know, I just want a workshop series for my client or for my managers, and I want to just do some team building, and we'll be together for three months or so. Uh, I try not to do anything less than three months, just because again, I'm trying to really transform people's self-awareness and you cannot do that in a one-off. Um, it takes time. So three months is the absolute minimum. i I usually work with people just because again, it's in, through a series and a growth process. Uh, occasionally I'll do speaking events and you know, one-off workshops, but most of my clients will go through the leadership Academy, which is a minimum of six to 10 months. Um, my executive coaching clients are typically, uh, you know, I've been, I've had most of them for three to four years at this point. Some have been with me longer. I do have a, uh, or with the academy, most organizations, depending on their size, if they're larger, they do usually stick with me for three or four years because they put multiple cohorts through the program. Um, smaller companies, we might just need one cohort and then they follow up a couple years later when they have some new hires. So it really just varies on what the company's. You know, doing and what their dynamics are. Uh, I typically work with fast-growing organizations, so there is more turnover or you know more growth. So new leaders are constantly coming in, and they're constantly expanding. And that's great. Well, thanks for sharing that.
0: You know, when you uh, were anticipating our discussion today, uh, was there <laughs> anything that I haven't asked you that you want to be sure to get on the show?
1: Um. You know, I just think to all your listeners out there, if you're not, you know, working with a coach, if you're not doing some level of, you know, self-awareness and ownership work, I highly recommend it. It'll make your life easier. It'll maximize your impact. Um, and really, it will give you the space and the ability to find success and happiness in both work and life. You know, you don't have to define yourself through one or the other. You can have both. And I think that's the power of ego management or, you know, some level of executive coaching where you have an external party helping you recognize and shine light where you might not be bringing your, your full best self to the table. You know, when we get uh, the higher up we get, the harder it is to get honest feedback and uh, an external third party coach or, you know, trainer is definitely the way to get some of that offered to you in a powerful way.
0: Okay, and uh, Christy, usually at this uh, point in the interview, I always ask my guests the same common question, and I know you've given us a lot of great information today, but uh, in relation to leadership, what is a pearl of wisdom that you could leave us with today?
1: Mm. Well, I think the thing that comes up the most when I'm talking to my clients, uh, if you don't learn to control your mind, someone or something else will. And that is the trick to being successful, controlling your reactions, controlling your thoughts, uh, controlling your next move is really the power of great leadership and showing up uh, as your best self.
0: Yeah, that's well said, well said. Well, Christy, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, I'm I'm so thankful that you're willing to share all your knowledge with us today you know i can hear your energy and your passion your voice sounds like you're doing great things for a lot of people so i appreciate you being on the show today and and sharing with us and uh uh, hopefully our paths will cross down the roadways
1: absolutely it's a pleasure to visit with you thank you steve for having me on and um i would love to interact and uh, support you in your world as much as possible
0: okay and and if people do want to get in contact with you uh, what's the easiest way to do it
1: they can reach me. Um, my website is mindfulchoiceacademy.com. They can find me on LinkedIn, Christy Garcia. That's Christy C-H-R-S-T-I-E, uh, Garcia. Mm-hmm. And let's see what else. Um, I love to just, you know, old fashioned phone calls or set up a, a Zoom call for a coffee day. I love to hear people's stories. So reach out in any way possible. I do have a founder Circle Mastermind that I'm currently recruiting for. Uh, so if there's any leaders that are interested in um, joining a mastermind to get the support and the coaching in a package deal, that's an option as well.
0: Oh, that sounds great. Well, thanks again, Christy. Uh, have a good rest of your day, and uh, thanks for being on the program.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Profiles in Leadership. To listen to all my interviews, subscribe to Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and many other popular podcast platforms. Some of these interviews are on video, and you can search YouTube for Profiles in Leadership with Steve Anderson. You can also access the entire library of interviews on my website, orange.coaching.com and that is orangetheword.coaching.com and go to the media center and click on podcasts or video gallery. You can also enter the website from pilpodcast.com.